the world has changed quite significantly and the mindset just in wealth planning where there has been a mindset of accumulating and accumulating wealth and eventually later through our life just drawing from it to live, I think that's completely obsolete um, and I see this daily just in the business that I'm in. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, guys, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, the number one podcast geared towards helping international investors break into the U.S. market and start buying cash-flowing deals. From Los Angeles, I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, as you know, this show is all about educating my loyal listeners about the benefits of investing in U.S. cash-flowing real estate. If you want to join the community of cracking entrepreneurs, then subscribe to my podcast. And if you leave a comment, I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to, in return for leaving a comment on iTunes, I will share my new, my brand spanking new ebook with you, hot off the press. Just shoot me a screenshot of the, your comment uh, to me at info at rsmpropertygroup.com. And I will, in return, send you my ebook, which is a summary of how I start raising or how to start raising capital like a pro. It is titled The Art and science of raising capital like a pro the 4p rule p for peter that is in the book i walk you all through some of the techniques that i've developed over the years that has helped me raise a lot of capital for my real estate deals and i think you guys will get a lot of benefit out of it so if you if you do want to get your hands on a copy jump on itunes write a review then send a screenshot to me at info at rsnpropertygroup.com all right enough out of me let's get cracking and into today's show So today's show is all about understanding how to maximize your cash flow potential and create even more streams of income so that we can become cash flow ninjas. And the entrepreneur in the hottest seat in town, the cash flow ninja himself, is Mr. MC Laubscher. G'day, MC. Welcome to the show. Reed, thanks for having me. Honored to be on your show. Awesome, mate. Well, so for all my loyal listeners out there, uh, MC is also a formal, uh, is an expat. He's formerly from South Africa, but he now calls the United States home. Uh, MC is a wealth strategist, educator, financial freedom fighter. He is the founder and president of Vahala Wealth Financial and the host of the popular business and investing podcast, Cashflow Ninja. He, is, he has a passion and purpose to help individuals, families, and businesses and entrepreneurs build and grow wealth safely, predictably, regardless of economic markets and cycles. He believes that the best way to achieve this in the information age is by reclaiming the banking function in your own financial life through structuring an efficient cash flow management system and creating and building assets that provide multiple streams of income. So MC, pretty awesome introduction, mate. You're, you're like myself, you're, you're an expat. Um, do you want to dive a little bit more into your background and how you moved to the United States and became a cash flow ninja? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm originally from, uh, I grew up on a small holding just outside of the town called Stellenbosch, which is about 45 minutes to an hour um, outside of Cape Town. And after I uh, finished university, traveled uh, much around uh, like a lot of uh, expats, um, ended up in the United States. I I think uh, came to the United States with a backpack, a suitcase, suitcase, and uh, uh, about five hundred dollars. <laughs> a sense of humor and a sense of adventure. 
So uh, got got started, but I actually played um, uh, representative rugby here until 2007 uh, in the United States, uh, kind of a city-based uh, league comp. And while I was um, playing uh, uh, playing in in the rugby uh, league, I I dove into real estate. I actually bought my first property um, the first year I was out of university. Um, as many of your listeners um, might have as well, I came across this little purple book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. <laughs> completely Talk a lot about it on this show. <laughs> yeah, so completely changed my life, uh, the way that I look at things. Um, and that's kind of where I jumped down that, uh, that rabbit hole to see how deep it goes. And because of my passion for real estate, I started um, to work uh, in the real estate investment and management space uh, for a private investor. So I did everything from uh, maintenance to painting, turn, uh, turning over apartments, leasing, structuring leases, uh, marketing and advertising vacancies, um, rent collecting, bookkeeping, managing properties to eventually buying and selling uh, buildings as a broker and part of a acquisition team. So it was a perfect opportunity for me because I felt that I was getting a mentorship like none other from uh, the investors that I was working around because a lot of these guys in this office were all real estate investors. Not only were they brokering real estate, but they were investing it as they were coming across the properties. So Definitely was a, was a very, very interesting learning experience. Um, still have um, a passion for real estate and real estate interests of mine. And then um, I also have a, a degree in, in history and economics and an MBA in finance. So spent some time in corporate consulting to 500, uh, Fortune 500 companies, uh, e-commerce, etc. And a couple, a couple of years ago, um, I came across a wealth building strategy that really changed my life um, got uh, it paired really really nice not just with real estate but all other investments started looking into that and helping other people uh, implement that strategy in their own life two years ago I started my own uh, firm Valhalla Wealth Financial and um, it's a wealth management and education firm where we help um, individuals and small business owners, entrepreneurs, and investors build their wealth outside of Wall Street. Mm. And uh, yeah, I also, as you, as you mentioned, have a, a podcast called The Cashflow Ninja. And on the show, we have guests that, and I've I have been honored to have you on it as well, Reed, <laughs> share their knowledge and their journey to create income streams from everything from real estate, gold and silver, coffee, paper assets, digital assets, and businesses. So Having a blast with a podcast, having a blast uh, just uh, growing my business and helping uh, other entrepreneurs and investors. That's awesome, mate. And uh, well done for making the transition out here to the United States. So you came out here for rugby. Did you do your MBA out here in the United States or did you do it back in South Africa? I actually did it uh, through correspondence. At the time, I was traveling quite a bit. So I did it uh, through a long distance program out of South Africa. Nice, nice, nice. Um, you now live in, in, in Philadelphia. Oh, no, sorry, not Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania, Newtown, correct? Yeah, Bucks County, Pennsylvania, quite a, a, quite a historic area. Um, I'm a couple of minutes away uh, from Washington's Crossing, where George Washington crossed the uh, Delaware River mm -hmm. to actually march on Trenton. So it's a very, very, uh, very unique, neat uh, area. 
Awesome. So, mate, I'm really fascinated about your story and how you've come. You've got involved in real estate. You you sort of cut your teeth in in that that office with all those investors, and now you've grown your business into having this multiple streams of income. Do you want to talk to me about some of the philosophies that you um, that you use in your business in your day to day life now, and why you made that transition out of you know from just real estate to be focused on a few other things as well to help you generate to become a cash flow ninja, as you like to say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just think too, we live in an amazing time, probably one of the most exciting times ever. The technology is incredible. Um, just look at the two of us talking through the internet right. and, and, and connecting this way. That said, the world has changed quite significantly. And the mindset just in wealth planning, where there has been a mindset of accumulating and accumulating wealth and eventually later through our life just drawing from it to live, I think that's completely obsolete. Um, and I see this daily just in the business that I'm in, uh, just helping individuals and families. And just from my standpoint, the people that are really going to have that walking on the beach, you know, um, et cetera, are folks that are a focus on creating multiple streams of income and not only creating multiple streams of income, but di diversifying uh, multiple streams of income over asset classes. Hmm. So I think uh, from a, a, just a philosophical approach, I think that is one of, uh, one of the ways, actually, in my opinion, probably one of the only ways that we, we're going to have financial security. Um, a, the, a lot of folks might not realize it yet, but the job that you have right now um, is already gone. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we, we just don't know it yet. It's, uh, it might be a year, two years, it might be five years, but it's not going to be around. There are just so many disruptors going on. Um, and actually disruptors, we're going to get to the next phase where disruptors are going to start to become disrupted. Uh, <laughs> just look at this technology uh, rearing its head uh, coming out of the development of Bitcoin called blockchain technology. Right. I mean, that is going to disrupt industries uh, like we've never seen before. So for people trying to provide for their family and for themselves and to build wealth um, with certainty and have some financial security, I really do see that the way to do it moving forward in the information age is to have multiple streams of income across different asset classes. And I took that uh, approach to my, my, my personal life as well, where obviously I'm spending a ton of time building out my business, which I'm extremely passionate about. Um, and we'll dive into that a little bit too. But as far as podcasts and different other side businesses, um, a lot of folks on the internet call them side hustles. Mm -hmm. But uh, something that um, I'm a very, very big fan of, something that you build and put a lot of effort and time in, and it keeps paying you over and over down the line. So even if it's uh, setting up uh, something through, uh, you know, I've done some affiliate uh uh, affiliate marketing through obviously my podcast, et cetera, uh, which I have separate as well for programs that I believe in. That's a very, very good revenue source, actually, one of the, the income streams for me right now. Um, so something like that where I spend a lot of time and effort setting up a marketing system that I can automate and then um, can pay me over and over is something that I look at. Real estate, obviously, uh, where you teach uh, amazing things uh, as far as real estate and syndicating that to to everyone is a great way where 
There's a lot of time investment up front, uh, due diligence, building a team, etc. But then the management after that becomes a little bit more hands-off as you build your team and hand that over to them and it continues to pay you as well. So definitely a, a very, very big fan um, looking at many, many different ways of uh, creating multiple income streams for yourself across different assets. So across different assets, meaning uh, real estate, paper assets, digital assets. Um, there's amazing things done in the space of royalties right now and music royalties. I actually had someone on from the royalty exchange where people can actually invest in artists' music and participate in the profits of them. So that's something as far in the digital space. And then also um, just through paper assets, uh, uh, tr trading, et cetera, and then businesses, online businesses. It's an amazing time, Reed. As you know, you can create an online business anywhere from anywhere in the world and service uh, <laughs> as many people as you can humanly possibly. I mean, it's unlimited, really. Um, very, very big fan of online courses. I'm actually in the process of working on putting together two of those because it aligns with a philosophy where I can work really, really hard to provide as much value as I can humanly do for others in a course, list that course, uh, set up an automating marketing system, and then, and then keep selling that course way into the future. That's awesome, mate. I, I love the fact that you have so many multiple streams of income. And this show, yes, it is focused on real estate. However, I will always be the first one, and, and I've started to diversify my own investments into other things. I've now started an Amazon business. I've also got my own you know, mentorship slash learning online platform that is slowly, slowly coming to fruition. Um, intellectual content, and that's what people value, right? They value intellectual content and they'll pay you to do that. Um, it's really, really incredible that you was telling me about the different types of income streams outside of, of real estate. So do you want to talk about how you actually stumbled across that? Because you, your, your background was in real estate and then you've sort of done nearly, not a 360, but you then started to diversify and, and what, besides the fact that you wanted multiple streams of income, what was the aha moment that, okay, I'm going to start diversifying into a financial institution, uh, financial system rather than one specific type of asset? Yeah. And I think, um, just, uh, from a modeling standpoint. So one thing that, that I, that I did is, when I'm playing sports was I try to find, uh, the best players that was playing in my position, uh, from a rugby standpoint, maybe international, <laughs> international folks will know Richie McCaw, although I'm from South Africa, I, I recognize <laughs> it's probably one of the best, uh, the best, uh, open side, uh, player ever. So I use, uh, for instance, uh, someone like that as a, as a, uh, fr from a modeling standpoint and try to learn everything I possibly can from the pl best players in my position, uh, everything from cutting up hours of type and looking at technical things that they were doing, but also big picture, their mindset, uh, their behavior off, uh, off the pitch, um, and then just their support network. So I try to do the same thing uh, when it came to wealth, look at what the wealthiest people are doing and then try to implement what they're doing on a smaller scale. Because again, I didn't become Richie McCaw studying Richie McCaw and looking at him, but hopefully I made a little bit uh, better progress and uh, raised the level of my game just by implementing what he was doing on a smaller scale. And when it came to, to wealth and studying um, 
a lot of the the giants out there, as I call them, the money masters. Besides the the mindset and obviously the vision and their plan that they set apart and breaking up that plan into smaller chunks and implementing it, and their network and their team that these guys do, I stumbled across a wealth capture system which they uh, has as a central part of their wealth plan blueprint. And then from that wealth capture system, they leverage their wealth uh, through wealth strategies into different assets. And it was really amazing. That, that just really opened my eyes um, as far as leveraging your wealth already and then investing in businesses and in real estate and then uh, some through hedging strategies, tra trading some paper assets, uh, building digital uh, digital businesses. So I think the, that was a very big aha moment for me when I sat down and I can come become quite obsessive about these things. So I really looked at what were these folks doing? What are some of the wealthiest people doing? And uh, they clearly have a way of, and we, we can jump into that in a second, but they have a way of reclaiming a banking function in their own life. Some of the wealthiest families have family offices in the United States, the ultra wealthy that obviously can afford this and what key players are inside these, these family offices and what strategies are inside of these wealth, uh, these family offices. It's very, very clear that they all diversified across the board, different assets and they center, they have a central place where they warehouse their wealth. Interesting, interesting. So do you want to dive into that specific strategy? Yeah. Let's uh, let, might as well just get straight into it. Absolutely. So what what I teach is for investors uh, is setting up a cash flow management system um, to reclaim the banking function within your own life. Um, now, the cash flow management system, and I want to emphasize the words systems and processes and because it's very, very important. That's what these guys and successful investors focus on. Um, they utilize actually by setting up a cash flow management system to warehouse their wealth and capture it, utilizing a specialized insurance product, a life insurance product. And trust me, I rolled my eyes the first time I saw <laughs> this, <laughs> as many of your listeners probably do, do as well. But um, they actually use a chassis of dividend-paying whole life insurance, which I fell off my chair when I saw that too, because what you see out in the public, uh, obviously, the a lot of the cookie-cutter uh, whole life insurance products that, that's out there, this is nothing remotely close to this. Very, very specialized and structured um, uh, according to the needs of the investor, the business owner, and the individual. But the reason why they do it Read is first, it's private, which is huge. Uh, it, it, uh, does, uh, it does have some asset protection uh, uh, characteristics as well. And again, I'm not a legal advisor. So if you're in the United States listening to this, please uh, check with your legal advisor. But in most of the states, it does enjoy that, which is huge. Because as we move into this information age, uh, we all live in a very, very litigious world right now, especially in the United States. And I can only see that getting uh, increasingly more litigious. Uh, but the other thing is the reason why there's a lot of uh, a lot of their capital being deposited into some of these vehicle. Uh, this particular vehicle is it's liquid right away, which is huge for real estate investors and other investors. It has guaranteed growth on the cash values in there. 
um, and it grows every year at a certain percentage rate. And as a, as a ho holder of one of these policies with a mutual insurance company, you actually become a shareholder in this insurance company, so you have access to dividends. Now, mutual insurance companies is completely different than other insurance companies as well. It's not listed on the stock exchanges. They've been around since the mid-1800s. So very, very conservatively managed with a very long-term view. Most of these companies um, have paid dividends consecutively for over 100 years. A lot of them did really well even during the last financial crisis. But the, the, one of the big, uh, the big positives is the growth inside these vehicles are tax-free. Hmm. And the distribution is tax-free. Where it really, really becomes extremely powerful is when you borrow money from an insurance company after you've built this up, you, you can access your capital on a different side of the transaction directly from the insurance company by getting a policy loan from their general account, not your personal account. So on your one side, if we use the $100,000, for instance, say you funded up your policy, there's $100,000 in cash value on the one side. When you borrow that $100,000, it's a separate transaction on the other side from the, from the general account from the insurance company that you can then use and say, for instance, for this example, invest in real estate. What happens is your money keeps growing as if you've never touched it before on the one side, earning dividends um, if the, the company is profitable and a predictable growth with certainty on one side. And on the other side, you get to use that $100,000 and leverage that and invest in real estate, businesses, and other investments that you come across. So your money is working in two places at, at the same time for you simultaneously. The thing about the loan, too, is it's very, very flexible. You can set your own payback. The, and a point that I will point out, because you're, you, I'm sure you have questions, but here's, here's the first question that I had when, this, when I came across this years ago was, wait a second. So I can clearly see that I'm, this is a pretty good situation for me as the investor or the entrepreneur in this. Right. But how does this work for the mutual insurance company? And, you know, that's why Warren Buffett, thinks that these companies are probably some of the best managed and well-run companies in the world, and that's why he owns a lot of insurance companies. They're um, protected because your cash value is in there, so the loan um, is collateralized by the $100,000 that you have in cash value. But there's also a death benefit because this is this is built on a chassis of insurance, so it's, it's still a life insurance product. Right. So um, on that side, they're comp completely covered. And, and you get to use your wealth, capture it in there, and then leverage, leverage your wealth. Interesting. Interesting. So what is the – let's actually talk about the mechanics of this because if I'm putting in $100,000 and then I borrow it back out to use it on a real estate deal, in terms of the payback, what am I having to pay back the insurance company for borrowing, quote, unquote, that, that $100,000 back out? That's a very good question. So they uh, do it as a loan um, at market rates. So sometimes, I mean, right now, I think, and again, it's across the board, but to, to generalize that I don't want to do, but they're around 4 to 5%. Okay. So the other thing that's really important and why I say this can be utilized as a cash flow management system yep. 
is when you take out the $100,000 uh, to, say, invest in a real estate investment, you set the payback period. When you start paying that back, so say, for instance, you paid back 20000 20, right away from your cash flow from your investment, right? Mm -hmm. That $20,000 becomes av available immediately again. Got it. Okay. So you don't have to pay off the $100,000 loan. So this is a cash flow management tool where if you can imagine a circle and having your wealth parked in the middle of that circle, you get to leverage it outside of your system, which your personal economic system, invest in cash flow assets and have the cash flow from the investments then flow back into your own personal economy and then the again we can apply the velocity of money concept where we just trying to find more and more investments to keep your money moving and look at more and more investments for your money to flow into and cr to create more uh, income streams for you interesting and so talk a bit to me about uh, return on investments because if I put in a hundred thousand um, dollars it's invested into the insurance market and they will pay dividends on that hundred thousand dollars I use that hundred K on the other end to go and buy a real estate deal, but I have to pay it back at a certain rate. Maybe it's four percent. So, right. so do I have to then determine that? Okay, I need to be getting a cash flow needs to be more than that. So, you know, if I'm using that hundred thousand dollars, I need to be getting seven, eight, nine percent, so I can make sure I can pay back the four percent. But I still got some money left over in my pocket, either to put it back in the system, or to you know just use cash flow in everyday life and move on. How does that? How do you like to think of that and that sort of structure? Because, and the second follow-up question to that is, if I use that $100,000 to leverage to buy more real estate, so $100,000 won't buy you much real estate, <laughs> but right. if, you, if you use it to, to you know, it, with another loan, can that, can that work together or can it not really work together? Yeah, those are two great questions. So the first qu answer I would say is, for me personally, using this, um, I have about three of these uh, plans um, in, in, my, in my own life. It has actually forced me to be a, a better and more disciplined investor hmm. because I have now a benchmark of m m the return that I'm getting in, inside of these policies. And again, there are life insurance components to it too. So it's not a dollar for, for dollar per se, right. but it's forced me to be a better investor because when I look at an opportunity in the outside, I said, does it make sense for me to utilize this money that's already getting this return and to put into that investment? Right. Um, so for I definitely use it for benchmarking standards for myself. Um, and the other part to your question as well is that, yes, absolutely, because as uh, – Cash flow investors and especially real estate investors, we other people's time, money, efforts. We want to use as much as other people's money. So this basically that hundred thousand dollars we can we can we can use and leverage in conjunction still with the traditional financing from from a bank, and that'll help you and analyze the deal a little bit as uh, as well in that sense because. I want to have enough cash flow and enough of a return to be able to pay back this loan to myself and right. then also have a, a, an income stream. Income stream and then pay the loan on the other, on the second loan, right? Because you said exactly. you, you have two loans then. 
Exactly. And from a, and a, the international listeners might, might listen to this and say, well, hey, okay, well, this is a U.S. life insurance product. Like, you know, how can I, how do I get to utilize something like this in my own life? Right. Um, well, there's, there's a lot of creativity from this in this industry. And that's one of the things that attracted me to it. The same as real estate. You can get extremely creative. This is not another Wall Street cookie cutter. What's your risk tolerance? Conservative, aggressive. Okay, we've got a bunch of mutual funds for you. You know, mm -hmm. um, it, you 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 can tailor these things that um, either a corporation can be the owner of this, and if you have a U.S. partner or through syndication there in your group, how big or how small it may be, that can be on that person's life actually. And the LLC or the group can then be the owner. So you can be very, very creative with this. Uh, the banks do it. The um, uh, Fortune 500 companies do it, 100 companies. Um, I think uh, it was Walmart. I mean, they have thousands and thousands of these on their own employees. General Electric has it as well, Walt Disney. The banks put uh, the majority of their tier one capital, which is one of their safest investments, in these investments. And the policies are obviously taken out on some of their key employees in their life as well. From small businesses, we uh, we actually do buy-sell agreements with this, where the partners um, own policies on each other's lives to make it easier as if something does happen for the families to buy each other out. So you can get extremely creative with this. So it does not disqualify you, number one, if you don't qualify for life insurance. And number two, because you are a foreigner, um, that doesn't automatically qualify um, this sort of strategy with you as well. Interesting. Well, it sounds like a lot is involved in this sort of product and in sort of uh, way of making, creating capital for yourself. I'm actually interested to learn a little bit more offline, and I will contact you about that. But if people wanted to contact you to to learn more, because there's a lot of a lot involved in this particular type of um, type of asset, where can where can they go? Yeah. So, um, Reed, for your for your listeners, I'll make available uh, the book "Becoming Your Own Banker" by Mr. Nelson Nash. All they have to do is email me at info at cashflowninja.com, and I'll send them a copy of the book. Um, I'm very, very purpose driven and very passionate about helping people implement this and uh, just uh, spreading financial education. So, even if you read the book and decide this is not for you, it'll still, uh, I would think. Um, bring a different perspective to the approach of investing. It certainly did for me. Um, so they can, they can contact me at info at cashflowninja.com and also on my platform, cashflowninja.com. Uh, there's a ton of information out there, how I speak. Um, I, have a, I have three shows a week. The, the Wednesday show is called The Wisdom Wednesday, um, where I talk about different concepts um, in wealth building. I've covered a couple of these actually in some of those episodes. So those would be great resources. Um, to, to use as my primary platform. And there is a link to my wealth management firm on there too, which is ValhallaWealth.com. Awesome. I'm not going to let you go just yet. I do have a few more questions for you. But I wanted to get that out there because a lot of people will probably be asking me like, you know, there's a lot of information here. How do I get in contact with MC? So I just wanted to get that out there first. And all the sh on all contacts for MC will be on uh, my show notes up on rsmpropertygroup.com. But I wanted to dive a little bit further into, you know, the types of income that you have right now. So you've got, you say you've got your podcast, th this particular type of life insurance. Has it got a particular name? Um. Okay. 
Yeah. So, well, they call it the infinite banking strategy, infinite but banking strategy. yeah. So the infinite banking strategy is where I warehouse my wealth. And I will say this because where we are right now in the, in the global economy and the U S economy, um, in my opinion, um, we're, uh, we're a little bit in the eye of the hurricane <laughs> and, uh, there are things that we're seeing in the media right now where there are uh, banks, especially in Europe, in, in, in big, big trouble. Deutsche Bank comes to mind and also the Italian banks. I think it's a, it's a system problem, not just uh, to, to them. So I think as investors, um, where we warehouse our wealth is extremely important because I think institutional risk moving forward is going to be one of the biggest risks that we have to manage. So a lot of these mutual insurance companies, as I've said, they've been around since the mid 1800s uh, and uh, they have excess reserves where if you look at the banking system right now and banks through fractional reserve banking, there's hardly any reserves right there. If anybody runs on a bank simultaneously, there's not enough to cover all the deposits. And people also have to be cognizant. And uh, listeners listening to this podcast, um, I would definitely encourage you to research the Dodd-Frank bill a little bit further. There's a ton of provisions in there that's not necessarily shared openly in the public as far as bail-in provisions and how they would recapitalize a lot of the big-to-fail banks in the event of another crisis. So just from a financial education perspective, I would definitely encourage your listeners to take a look at that as well. That's so, so interesting that you've mentioned the dot, Frank, because now with the new presidential election upon us, that is definitely something that people are looking at that space to say, what is going to happen here? Are the restrictions going to change? And as you just mentioned, there's some stuff in there that isn't as is much publicized about how what happens in another recession and how the banks react to that. So in terms of the, um, the insurance, the life insurance, is this, is this in, uh, separate from those sort of institutional risks, as you like to say? Yeah, there's, I mean, it, it's separate in the sense that it's not that tied up. You know, if your money is in there, for instance, it's not uh, correlated to the stock market at all. So, for instance, if money in, in some of these plans, um, even during the fin last financial crisis, uh, they didn't skip a beat. They went on uh, with certainty, predictability, which is huge to have as an investor in your corner where you know I have a solid foundation where you know, the, the, it's not going to fall apart in the event of, of, of another crisis. So they are, you know, insurance companies are in a sense, the, the, the exposure that they have is to, the, is to some bonds, but they're extremely, because they're not listed on the stock market and they don't have to chase quarterly returns for stockholders, um, they can manage, be managed extremely conservatively. And because of all these excess reserves, most of these, these, these companies, um, if uh, in the event of a really, really bad scenario where they have to pay out a lot of the death benefits, they can cover all of that and then have excess reserves capital. In. This also allows them to trade in and out of bonds without taking a huge bath. And most of the bonds uh, that's in their portfolio is extremely conservative. Um, so that might be a, a little bit of the exposure that they do have. Um, and as well as interest rates. I mean, that's, that's, that's another one. Interest rates are at historical lows. <laughs> I mean, it's, can they get any lower? Exactly. And when they go up, um, these companies will become more profitable. Um, and that, that does, I mean, the interest rates have impact them a little bit. So, 
Um, if you look at the benchmarking, uh, you know, I went back as far as 1980, just of where the, the companies are right now. Yeah, they, I mean, the interest rates definitely has played into um, what they're paying out in dividends. They're all still doing that consecutively and actually a decent one. Um, but uh, it, it has impacted them. So I wouldn't say that it's completely isolated, but you're not directly uh, involved as you would be with a lot of products that's tied to markets, as global markets, and especially markets here in the United States, the stock market. Interesting. And, and for all those listeners out there, make sure you understand and educate yourself first so you can then determine the risk benefits to you to if you are interested in, in, in an uh, in a plan like this. Uh, MC, with all your experience being such an awesome cash flow ninja, are you ready to give me your top five investing tips? I sure do. All right, mate, let's get into it. What is your daily habit that you practice to keep on track towards your goals? I like to journal in the morning. So I get up in the morning. Um, there's some great journals available uh, online. And yeah, write down my write down my daily goals um, and make sure that they're aligned in my in my purpose uh, and my goals for the week and for the month and for the year. And then I also debrief at night. I also journal my gratitude besides just my goals as well. But that's a practice which I forced myself to do, and I'm it's now a it's now a habit. That's awesome, and I'm I'm actually trying to do it myself more and more. It's hard to find the time in the day to set out <laughs> it's either you're doing a to-do list for the next day but you want to try and turn that to-do list into goals <laughs> and journey yeah exactly i just forced myself because i tried it a couple of times and you know i'm very honest i fail <laughs> over and over <laughs> many at many different things and i and i know i'll continue to fail but i i started it a couple of times and then you know things just came up but i literally just forced myself uh in the last uh month or so to do it and it's it's really been a game changer Awesome, mate. Uh, who is the most influential person in your career to date? I would say uh, both of my parents, and I would say here's why. I think they, uh, you know, my mother obviously taught me how to love, and she encourages me, me and supports me. And then my father really keeps me grounded. <laughs> As a good South African dad, so he keeps me grounded and focused. Um, and uh, between the two, they've had a, a really good. Uh, um, you know, just uh, ev evening out uh, each other. So awesome! I, I I will definitely attribute my success to my parents as well. So you and I have a lot in common. We're, we're international, and we attribute our success to our parents. So so awesome stuff. Uh, what's the most influential tool in your business? You have so many businesses. I'm sure you're going to have to have at least one most influential. I would say, you know, and I'll I'll, I'll give I'll give a software too. But the smartphone is. <laughs> I mean, I am connected. 24-7, wherever, and, and I do take time off of it. I try to at least, too. I fail at that sometimes, too. But the smartphone keeps me connected constantly to my business. I can check all my metrics of, of uh, uh, projects that I am involved in. Um, and to go with that, I used Evernote a lot. It's mm -hmm. amazing. Yep. Uh, just... Being on my smartphone, if I, whether I'm traveling, whether I'm out and about taking notes, ideas, and then when I jump on my computer, it's it's already on my computer. It's all synced. So uh, it's been an extremely valuable tool for me. But a smartphone's amazing. I mean, you can run a business from anywhere in the world now just with a smartphone. It's it's insane. No, it, it is insane. And um, we are in that age, as you say, the informational age, where we're sometimes a little bit too much on our phones. But you're right. It is so key to have everything at your, uh, your fingertips and to be able to access your businesses from whether you're in South Africa to America to Australia, 
you can have you can be always connected. Uh, and the last question is, MC, where can people reach you to continue the conversation? Uh, my primary platform, I would say, is Cashflow Ninja, cashflowninja.com. Um, you can uh, reach uh, reach me out there. Uh, just email me at info at cashflowninja.com. Uh, very, very accessible. Uh, I love actually hearing from people. I try to learn every day from my audience and people that I come across with. Um, so cashflowninja.com, the podcast is on there. If you're interested um, just in learning a little bit more, um, other cash flow ideas, uh, there is a wide, <laughs> wide spectrum of ideas to, uh, shared on, on that show. Awesome, mate. Well, I'll definitely have all the links uh, that you mentioned on today's show. I want to thank you for jumping on board and just telling us all about how to become a cash flowing ninja. I'm very, very interested to learn more. Um, thanks for taking some time out of your day and have a, enjoy the rest of your week. Reed, thank you so much for having me on. It was a fantastic experience and I had a blast. Cheers, mate.